Go Ask Alice is a show intended for adult audiences because adults want to learn too. Sometimes we cover sensitive material, so please take care of yourselves and listener discretion is advised. Now on to the show. Hello, internet friends, and welcome back to another episode of Go Ask Alice, the show where we jump down random internet rabbit holes and bring you wonderful factoids from our adventures in Wiki Wonderland. I'm Drew, and I wish I had a duck to hold. With me is... <laughs> I'm Lindsay, and I've got a couple items for sale on Craigslist, so uh, if you could check that out, it would help me out a lot. Yeah, I got you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I'm Sarah, and I'm trying to reach you about your car insurance. No. (laughs) (laughs) This is a show where we wander around the depths of Wikipedia to bring you the most fascinatingest, interestingest, hilariousest, and craziest topics we can possibly find. We all start on the same wiki page every week. We wander around the article using hyperlinks uh, provided by wikipedia.com and .au. .eng.english. <laughs> Usually this means that we have read two or more paragraphs and we are beholden to share it with each other and with all of you. This week... We started on hernia, which I was all too happy to move away from very quickly. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, there's a dick in the first picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm no medical expert, but I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's a hernia. Yeah, it's like, why am I looking at this? <laughs> which reminds me, most of my clicking journey actually was like right into... I think I like hung out in like weird medical Latin terms for a long oh. time. Oh, no. But can I tell you guys <laughs> that I ended up on a man named Paul Anger and he is still alive and he's a famous football player. Oh, oh okay. okay. He, well, he must be interesting for you to be like, yeah, I'm going to talk about him. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I ended up on something called. The Ivy League nude posture photos, and then at the end, if you want, you can put scandal. <laughs> if you want. If Wait, you want, so it's want. not a scandal, or is it a scandal? I mean, I think it's a scandal, um, but it's just literal fact in history. Ivy League nude posture photos. Okay. Okay. I'm going to tell you about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I I am a fucking nerd, and I ended up on a nerd topic, as I always do. We love them. It's the scrotum. <laughs> is it the history of cheese? No, no, I'm sorry. It's actually, um, I didn't even cover the history of it, but uh, have either of you heard of the term speed running? No. <laughs> As in like the speed runner, like meet me? No. That's a road That's runner. runner. That's road runner. Road runner. <laughs> I love if there's like speed running as in speed runner. <laughs> <laughs> the speed runner? He's just like, I'm going to teach you how to fast honk. This is how to fast honk right now. First step, you fast honk. <laughs> oh. uh, Speed running like video games. Exactly. Yeah, you got it. Oh. Yeah. That's not what I thought it was going to be at all. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. It's a great time. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm excited. Well, we got to start with spilling our soul with the question of the week first. So think of where to start first, but... I cannot wait to hear your answers because this week's question of the week, and reminder, if you're listening, you can answer these on our social medias and have them read out anonymously or with your name attributed, whatever you would like. But this week's question is, what is the most you've ever spent on something that you've instantly regretted? Lindsay, you look guilty. (sighs) Well, I'm going to shield myself with 
our listeners and just talk about a couple of listeners. <laughs> Shielded. My brother Christopher <laughs> told me on the phone. No. What? <laughs> he told me on the phone today that he spent recently a thousand dollars on two suits that don't fit him. And he's not returning them. How? Uh, he can't return them? I'm sure he can. He's just lazy. Okay, okay. Okay. Good answer. That's good reasonable. Answer. That's reasonable. Well, yeah. Good a- <laughs> this is family feud. Good answer. Good, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> You're doing excellent. <laughs> and our um, esteemed listener, Moth, said that they once spent, I think it was $70 on a, which Pokemon was it? Umbreon. Umbreon. Umbreon yep. Build-A-Bear. Which I think was a great purchase because yeah, Ariana is one door, of my favorite Eevee evolution. I think that's a good purchase. My answer is that the exact moment about 10 years ago that Fallout Boy came out of their hiatus, I jumped on tickets as fast as I could and bought three tickets, general admission to a small venue in New York City for over $400 a piece while I was in high school. Oh, and I God. bought. That bankrupt yep, for life. <laughs> it was definitely a lot of my savings, and I didn't even ask the other people if they could make it. Um, I jumped on the tickets as fast as I could, and uh, turns out one of them was actually for my other brother, and he decided to study for the SATs instead of coming with me, which I thought was a, was a poor decision. <laughs> Fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Are you kidding me? Fall Out Boy's out of hiatus, like." What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I was like, sorry, how could, literally, how could anything be more important than that? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand you. He's like, I don't really like Fall Out Boy. <laughs> like, how could you? So I dragged my boyfriend and I couldn't get rid of the third wow, ticket. Wow, you so. didn't eat that? Oh, shit. That's a, that's a lot of fucking that's money. That's tragic. Yeah. yeah. It didn't feel regret. good. Drew, I feel like it's going to be something either chaotic or something that we're going to be like, yeah, it's not great. It's going to be something. eh. I bought a, I've always wanted a smartwatch because I always think they're super cool. Yeah. I bought one. The battery on it lasts about a day and a half. A watch that lasts a day and a half is fucking useless. It is the most (gasps) useless thing in the world because you have to charge it. And it's just like, Oh, every single fucking day you use it. Got to charge it the next day. Oh, I guess I don't have a watch for a day. What a great fucking purchase. You've got to charge your phone every day. Yeah, but it's... It's It's different. It's not the same. It's It's very, very different. Your feelings are valid. I want you to know that your feelings are valid. But I'm so confused how long you thought the watch was going to last without charging it. I thought it was good because most most smartwatches I've seen last like eight days. And that's what? like, that would be fine. Eight to five days, I've seen. Oh, my Apple Watch does not. No, she's a charge every day type of girl. Really? I just like, yeah. I, I guess, I guess the problem is I charge my phone when I sleep. And so that's yeah. great. But I also want to track my sleep with my smartwatch. And so oh. how am I going to track my sleep and charge at the same time? I can't do that. It's just a terrible thing. I'm with you practice. too. I'd be like, you're supposed to be taking care of me right now. You're supposed to tell me what to go and, and where to do and what to know. What to and, sleep. Uh, <laughs> and if I'm charging you, you're not helping me. Yeah. I didn't pay all this money to babysit a rectangle. Right. What are you doing? <laughs> Probably the thing that I regretted instantly when I bought it was I worked at a jewelry store when I was in undergraduate. 
and I got totally sucked in by the idea of having pretty things and having pretty I still love pretty things but we got this collection of like pink diamond rings now they are not what you're thinking they were like little like dress rings with like some pink diamonds in quotation marks that were pink if you're really squinted and like we set against some rose gold to try help them look a little bit pinker and they were like tiny little diamonds as well and I got this ring at staff discount so I did save a lot of money on it but it was hundreds and hundreds of dollars and I used my savings from the summer because I'm like I'm gonna have this pink ring it's gonna be my ring I realized that I was an idiot I was like oh it's not that pretty and now I don't have hundreds of dollars (laughs) do you still wear the ring no, I ended up I ended up trading it actually because I put it months later when I realized that it just and it wasn't even my style. That's the thing about it. It was far oh. too modern for what I actually wear, which is quite vintage inspired jewelry. So then yeah. I put it for sale on like the Australian version of Craigslist, and someone's like, "Hey, I have like a Louis Vuitton bag. Do you want to swap?" Okay, so yeah. I did. Like yes. <laughs> yeah, and it was an authentic. Um, vintage Louis Vuitton bucket bag that I swapped it for. Bang biscuit. That's awesome. Exactly. So it worked out great in the end. <laughs> Do you still use the bag? No, I sold it years later because it <laughs> just wasn't my style. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> because this so is when I was like 19, 19, 20 years old. Now I don't love the Louis Vuitton because it was the monogram print. Not really my vibe. Yeah, And so years later, I was like, I not my vibe. I'm going to sell it. <laughs> and I did. And I sold it when I was moving down to Melbourne because your girl was scrounging to have enough money for, like, first month, last month rent and security deposit. Oh, yeah. oh I bet. Well, that's great. <laughs> that was great. It worked out great in the end. Yeah, that's, that's a great saga. I'm net even. <laughs> How are we going to follow that up with our lineup? Oh, I didn't mean to use mm. concert words. It's okay. You're still thinking about Fallout Boy. <laughs> I didn't mean to use who's our opener i'll gladly take opening act if you want if you want me to let's round it out let's make it easy all right so we're going to start learning about what was your topic drew speed running speed running not road running speed running (laughs) yes yeah why is it teach me how to speed run (laughs) i wish i could i'm not a (laughs) speed runner i really wish i could um so speedrunning is super meaningful to me because I can't sleep without any kind of noise or, or with, yeah, without any kind of noise. I need me some too. noise in my like, and I'm pretty sure that comes from my college roommate who would snore a fuck ton. And it was just so loud that my brain now associates like background noise with sleeping, but that's besides the point. Aww. One of my favorite things, and I do mean absolute favorite things to listen to at night is speedrunning. You watch I fucking love games on YouTube exactly that is that's what exactly simon it. listens to to fall asleep that's oh it's like it's like the best kind of medicine in the world just like fucking people talking about video games on online um i do i do also watch it's speed so runs true. when i'm awake because i think i think they're fucking really super interesting but that shit puts me to sleep right away speed running is like the, the whole point of speed running is to complete a video game or certain goals within a video game as quickly as possible. And typically this involves the use of like a planned route. Um, but in some cases, speedruns are completely improvised on the fly where, you know, if a game's randomly generated, something like Minecraft or Terraria, you can't plan it. But mostly speedruns have a very specific route through the game that they all follow 
that involves, you know, sequence breaks or, you know, exploitation of glitches, which helps, you know, progress faster than you normally would. So like sequence breaks would be like getting an item sooner than you should. And then that allows you to like, you know, progress the game even faster than you should. Or, you <laughs> know, a, a glitch would be something it. like, you know, rubbing up against a wall and then, you know, sliding through it. And then you're now in the like last level of the game. That's the, kind of what a glitch would be. That's amazing. I I feel like video games are like big escape rooms. Like most <laughs> video games are just big escape rooms. Like you're trying to figure out how to get out or to the end. Yeah. Which is quite yeah, cool. That's, that's a pretty good way to put it. <laughs> um, the main thing is um, with speedrunning, some of these games get so optimized that, you know. Yeah, like super optimized. Like there is no time wasted. There's no smelling flowers. You're going to yeah. do and all these kind of different things. And it's like, it's really super interesting because then it just, it's, it's not like different people have different routes. It's just pure execution. Whereas like you just have to play the game well. And if you play it well, you're going to get a really good time. So it's, it's, it's super cool. So it's nothing. It's, also, it's like an elite sport. It's so satisfying. It is. It's super like like just some seeing of the games, it like, done like executed perfectly. Like probably harder than some physical sports where it's not so like precisely it's timed It's really out. satisfying. It's like watching somebody slice bread like really well or something. It's just like that part of like this feels so crazy. good to watch someone be so successful. Because this is like second by second. This is like, you know, they, they have like millisecond differences between like world record speed runs. So it's, like, <laughs> it's literally second by second. And you might think to yourself, you know, speed running, that sounds like all these speed runs would be very quick, you know, a couple minutes, you know, maybe an hour if we're, you know, feeling really dangerous actually i'm a huge fan of longer speed runs and these can be up to like 10 to 15 hours long so it's like a fucking endurance test that you're like you're like playing this game for 15 hours straight um typically people pee during like cutscenes and things so it's okay. just like you are rushing to pee and you're coming back and you better be like there you know you better I be like die. quick about it <laughs> yeah it's it's That's a crazy. it's a real endurance test it literally yeah. is and, um, do people stream these like on Twitch and stuff? Is that how they make money to be able to do? Yeah, that's exactly how they do it. You know, this is typically a lot of these runs are done in one sitting. Sometimes they're done split up where like you do, you'll do like two hours, two hours and two hours. That's fine. That's, that's, uh, I forget what they call that specifically, but you know, that's one type of run. But then there are things like single segment runs, which are literally just like you go through it and like you do it in one sitting and that's super cool. It's just like, it's super endurance. But a, uh, another aspect of speedrunning is called uh, tool-assisted speedruns or TASs. They take the, the game and they emulate it and yeah. um, they slow down the game literally frame by frame and create perfect executed inputs during that. And oh so basically you're, this, is, this is how a robot would play the speedrun or, or would do the speedrun. Why don't and they just it's train like, an AI to do it for them? They get a treat. They probably could at a certain point, but they they, they, they go you know frame by frame because yeah. I guess it's kind of hard. Like an AI would not really know exactly what you're supposed to do in a video game. I don't know. I guess no, I don't know not too much about AIs, re but reinforcement learning, which is like a human, like they do things, and then if they get it right, they they learn. If they don't, they they stop doing it that way. We are just machines learning all the Why? time. That's crazy, though. So how long does it take for somebody to do something like that? Is this like weeks, months worth of this is this work? is years? Like us, I saw one task that was a six and a half hour task, and the person spent. Uh, I think oh, they said four years God. on it going just to show <laughs> it's just to really show what, how optimized the game can be and to show kind of like the best of it. 
But don't people forget about the game? After oh no, years? people still play like Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time is huge. And that's like what? That's been out for like almost 20 years now. People people love certain games. I mean, the, when you have a community of speedrunners, they all really like, they love the game that they play. Like they absolutely love it because you play it every day for hours, you know, hours on end. Yeah, so like you know what I'm saying, right? There's some games where like, I don't remember completely. It's been a long time since I played, but like I remember there are some games where you have no choice but to repeat kind of the first steps or like I think it was like in Mario you needed extra lives so yeah, you'd play this like one stuff, level yep. over and over to mine for like mushrooms and stuff like that. You had to get like lives and like I'm pretty sure I could do a very successful speed run of like the first level of Super Mario World. Like I know exactly yeah. when to jump, I know where to stand, yeah. I know what like pipes to go down. <laughs> lives. Yeah. It's like a dance. You know, it, it's like a choreography. Yeah, yeah. It's really like a dance. It's like a ballet done really well. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's exactly it's It's all practice and it's all pure execution knowing exactly what you need to do. It's it's That's it. That's a speed run. This is this has given me flashbacks to I had the Harry Potter game on Xbox mm-hmm. when I was little. This would have been like when I was like 10 or so. And there was one level I could not defeat. Could not defeat. I have no idea what comes after it. Could not do it. And I spent hours and days probably of my life doing this one level over and over and over again. And like up until the point where I kept failing, I like dreamed of the sequence (laughs) because the next day on my holiday, I'm like, I'm going to beat this level. And I never did. And now I'm nostalgic and I want to get the game so I can see if I can beat the level. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) I think my absolute favorite part about speedrunning itself um, just as the community behind it, it's just it feels like the least toxic kind of thing you could get. Like the communities always seem really supportive of each other, and it's always like people being encouraging. But these these communities have huge leaderboards to kind of show who's the fastest. They have specific categories for you know the speed runs, and they have races between individual runners themselves, um, which are just like you know super cool to watch, and just like a butter a bunch of other uh, great community stuff. YouTube and Twitch are both huge platforms for speedrunners. And, um, you know, allow people to, as, as we kind of discussed before, allow people to make enough money to support themselves doing something that they love. If you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon right now. <laughs> Help us speedrun life. <laughs> we'll become Join our Patreon. Support us speedrun <laughs> through, through our podcast. <laughs> now on with the show. Go Ask Alice podcast at Patreon. Wow. That's an advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think um, like the biggest the biggest aspect of speedrunning is uh, like these speedrun showcase marathons, which I'm sure if you've heard of speedrunning, you've probably heard of it through these marathons where basically there's a ton of people come together and they, you know, they they show off their talents on live stream. But then all of these these like programs are dedicated to raising money for charity and they raise like millions of dollars for cancer research or, or, or um, mental illness research, just all kinds of different things. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention things like GDQ, which is Games Done Quick, RPG Limit Break or ESA, which is the European Speedrunners Assembly. And like all these, you know, different groups just like put together these great, great marathons and they bring a ton of people together and raise a fuck That's ton of money. Nice. That is so nice. It is. It's it's incredible. They, they really, you know, they really put a ton of money into Equally it. as important as cancer research. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's nothing that's equally as important as cancer research. I was gonna 
<laughs> no, completely kidding. I was going to say, actually, a reason that I like to watch speed running that I'm surprised neither of you have mentioned is because if I want to buy a game. Oh, shit. It lets I kind you of go wanna, through like, the, like, the whole thing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, not with, like, you know, like avoiding spoilers and stuff. But like, for example, like it didn't just come come out. Now it's like old news. But like I watch speed runs of Elden Ring because I will never be good enough to play. Like I, I will just never make it that far. So I watch speed runs to to see the story, but it's true. It's like, you know, talking about a long game. Holy shit. Yeah. I that's, think the speed I mean, runs were still longer than nine hours, right? 15 hours easily. I was going to say, if you're looking at it to see if you want to buy the game, do you just like jump to random points in the video to be like, see what's happening graphic wise? Feel like it doesn't look good? Yeah, this looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I personally watched, I like watched the beginning to be like, okay, this is them doing it perfectly. Could I execute it 60% right. of this perfect execution? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll just, my cats and I will just observe. I would say it's more like 10% you'd have to execute the same, like the same level <laughs> yeah. to play the game. I don't even think it's that much because they're fucking executing it like perfectly. It's super nuts. That's true. Like if they're a ballet dancer, I'm just doing jumping jacks. Yeah, that's all you need to do. I mean, funny. <laughs> at the end of the day. Actually, the next thing I really wanted to talk about was how they categorize speedruns because that's like hugely important to understanding the, the goal behind a speedrun because it's like, you know, it's, it's not just go fast. It's, it's, I mean, it kind of is, but you know, it's, there's a little bit more to the goal. Do you want to optimize points that you collect or, you know, coins you collect? Or exactly. Like so that? it's, it comes, so uh, the most common categories are any percent. And then there's something like a hundred percent, which requires that you get, you know, 100% of the game completed. This can mean obtaining all the items in the game or, you know, something that's measured as like a metric of completion. Then on my God, I can't do that with <laughs> games casually. Yeah. yeah. Let alone fast. That's insane. There's things called low percent, uh, which is the opposite of 100%, which requires that the player completes the game with the absolute bare minimum of items or equipment possible. And mm -hmm. so they're just like, they're just trying to scrape by and, and complete the game as quick as possible with the like minimal amount of resources, which is super nice. cool. It's, it's pretty cool. Run around naked. That feels like life. Yeah, it feels oh. like life. <laughs> exactly. It is running around naked. <laughs> like we said two different things that that are both correct. Are the, <laughs> two very different If they things. are the same <laughs> thing to anyone, stop listening to this podcast. Stop listening. Put on you some pervert. clothes, you dangus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the final category um, is the glitchless category, which can kind of be tied to any of the other previous categories I just listed, like glitchless, glitchless 100% for example. So this category means that none of the exploits or sequence breaks that are known to exist in the game can be used by the runner. So this is kind of like a limitation. So you're saying like, you know, you're playing the game as it is intended versus, you know, sliding a, sliding out of walls and doing bullshit. Like, it's, but um, of course, any percent run is going to be faster than a 100% run. And so the categories are, are kept separate on the leaderboards. And in addition to that, to keep everyone honest, runners have to submit footage of their runs to show that the run was actually completed in the reported time. People will literally comb through those run submissions and make sure that everyone is not cheating because, oh boy, do people love trying to cheat in speedrunning. People fucking love it. <laughs> I did not expect anything less because people love to cheat in real life. People love to cheat on everything. Yeah. I mean, is it cheating if it's part exactly. of the game? Like, it's like, okay, well, this functionality was built into the game. We're, we're, I'm about to break it down for you. 
Yeah, break it down, break it down for, me. for me. The one ways that people cheat is splicing, where the runner will literally take footage of gameplay that's supposedly recorded continuously and splice it together, like splice I together clips yeah. and say like, oh, my gameplay is perfect. But like, you know, they had actually, you know, tried it 15 times. They and doctored just... the footage. <laughs> Get NASA in here. Need to evaluate that. Yeah, honestly, Enhance. They... You, you say that, but they actually, people like use techniques for like forensics audio analysis. They use techniques like that to detect this kind of thing. So like, like people give a shit about this, like really Throw care. the book at him. <laughs> you know, these splices can be really easy to detect or they can be super hard to detect depending on the skill of the splice. You really have to care. And people, a lot of, in a lot of cases, people do eventually get caught. As I said, people yeah. are like super ultra detectives when it comes to finding out if someone's cheating. Like, you know, they'll, they'll break things down frame by frame and share, like ensure everything is looking right. So it's, it's completely wild. Wow. Um, and then uh, the, another form of cheating is task botting where, you know, I talked about task botting before where it's like, it's super cool because, you know, you get to see perfect gameplay, but that is, comes with the caveat of everyone knows that it's a task. Everyone understands that the, that a like a robot's playing this versus the players playing it. However, if you presented a task as like, oh, this is my gameplay, that would be cheating because, you know, you're not, you're not really that good. And people do that. Uh, the next form of cheating is manipulating game timers or changing playback speed. In speedruns, you're supposed to have a timer on your, on your screen and people will actually like modify that clock so that it, like, it, you know, it's run slower or, you know, modify it to look like it runs a different time, things like that, which is pretty easy to detect. And then also they'll change the playback speed of a recording so that it looks like they're moving faster, but it's... Can you imagine... Can you imagine doing that for literally any other sport? Like, oh, I made like 500 slam dunks in a minute. Watch my footage. <laughs> Watch my footage. It's just like, it's fucking sped up. And it's like, like no, you fucking didn't. <laughs> but that's, that's honestly, this is like, all that stuff is super noticeable. And, but, it, but people try and do it. People yeah. try and do that cheating. And the final form of cheating actually comes, what you said, Lindsay, where you literally modify game files. Uh, you know, this is like a traditional form of cheating in video games where people use things like GameShark to modify game files to make them, you know, make them faster or stronger, or, you know, have higher health. Basically anything to give them an advantage. And, but the, the 99 fucking wild Master part Balls. is... Exactly. The, the wild part is that moderators of speedruns will know the game so fucking well that they'd be like, you should have been, you should have lost more health from that. And they'll fucking be able to detect that because they know the game so fucking well. Like, That's you know, really the, cool. Do the moderators get paid or is this like a volunteer community driven? Oh no, this is wow. all, this is all community involved. I wish I loved anything that much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love anything These... that much. <laughs> Drew's like, you guys are sad. <laughs> You guys, no, no. I wish, I wish I had that much passion about fucking anything. But like, I will say that the huge majority of speedrunners are completely honest and like are just fucking dang good at the games. So that's like, cheating is is very minimal. It does exist, but it it's very minimal. This is a little about speedrunning from the perspective of someone who absolutely loves speedruns. I'm sure speedrunner might have a little different perspective on speedrunning in general, but I just you know it's just me. So I really hope you enjoyed it. That was amazing. I also enjoyed how many times you said speed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My lisp could never. <laughs> I, I actually, I really never thought about the history of speedrunning itself or, you know, a deep dive into the concept. It's something that I just completely took for granted as a form of, I really just thought of it as a form of advertising. I didn't even think of it as like a separate community just because of the way that I, you know, use it. Consume. Yeah, oh, that was very cool. That's big. It's a big fucking community. Yeah, I didn't realize what it was until you started talking. I'm, about I'm it. fascinated 
the whole the deep study of it by slowing down frames is very interesting to me like that's like a deep research of something that that's a labor of love i think that's fascinating this feels like something you would do drew because you are a forensic scientist forensically analyzed that honestly like if if I was any if I was at all interested in digital forensics that like yeah. I would that would be my shit I would be so you know into what that. yeah while we're mixing our passions you've just given me the newest life goal which is to develop the toilets of Tamriel channel in our Discord so well that we could do a speed run tour of every toilet of Tamriel. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, you, you bring that up, which is very funny because um, there are categories that are literally called meme categories. I want to I make my own speed run that's just all over the province of Skyrim visiting every toilet. All the toilets. And there are people who wouldn't appreciate that. And one of those people's name is Daniel, who says every time, that's just a bucket. And I would like to tell you, <laughs> Daniel, it's a toilet. It's a toilet. It's, I have photographic <laughs> evidence. Well, it's buckets back then. You sweet man. sweetheart, <laughs> <laughs> honey bun, esteemed colleague. <laughs> so today I'm going to talk to you about Paul Anger, who was an unusual choice for me because he's a football player, but he's also still alive. Is okay. his name spelt Anger, as in the emotion? It's E N G E R. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and he's Norwegian, and he plays for, or used to play when he was younger, for Valaranga, which is a team I also did not know about, because I don't know anything about football. And for all of you Americans out there, I'm talking about soccer. Okay, real real football. Yeah, real football. So what made you stop on him? Uh, Well, why don't I tell you a little bit about him? And you can start to see for yourself why. So Paul was a football player uh, at around age 19. So when he was 19, the year was 1988. And he played in the European Cup and um, was doing really well because he was you know, 19 and already so successful. He loved The Godfather. That was his favorite movie. And when he was 15 years old, he flew himself and a friend out to New York City to see where it was filmed. Wow. He really loved Uh, it. In fact, yeah. uh, After practice, after football practice, he would throw away his track suits because why would you wash something if you could just buy a new one? And his teammates used to get, uh, I guess you would say, funded or sponsored by different companies and put their names on the side of the car. Well, Paul never really got funded, but he did put his own name, P. Anger, on the side of the car, which is actually a joke because panger in, uh, I guess, Norwegian languages means cash. So it'd be the same if somebody named Christopher Ash put C Ash on the side of their car. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Um, he and sounds like a character. I think he's about to do something bad. Yeah. He's got expensive taste. He never took the train into the city. Uh, in fact, he'd always roll up in a Porsche, a BMW, or a Mercedes. Oh, okay, I like his style. Yeah, uh, he loved the high life. That was a past and, tense. Uh, in word. nineteen, well, he's still alive, and I think he still does love the high life. But I guess I'm choosing the past tense to talk about things that unfolded in his life. In 1994, the Winter Olympics were in a town of Lillehammer. Uh, also in Norway. The 
the setting of these Winter Olympics were really whimsical, kind of the way that we think of Norway in general. Like to me, it's one of the happiest countries on earth. I think statistically one of yeah. the happiest. And these were called the fairy tale games. They had like literal like fairies and witches and dancers coming oh, out amazing. with the torch. The torch itself was launched off like a ski jump with a skier. Everybody was I... totally mesmerized, sparkling and beautiful, televised. Paul wasn't there and neither was his team. Paul was in Oslo setting up a ladder outside the National Gallery. Because Paul and a friend were breaking in to steal Edward Munch's scream. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So they... you guys are definitely familiar with this painting, yes. right? The one with the person with their hands on their cheeks. Oh, oh my god. What so was he meant to be at the Winter Olympics? Not at all, but But it was a nice a nice scene. You see Everybody on his soccer team or his football team had another job. The the soccer team alone wasn't enough to pay the bills. One of his friends was a police officer, but Paul's other job was that he was in a gang. Wow, imagine listing that on your tax return. (laughs) He was in the Tevita gang. And his instructions that night were extremely clear. Steal the painting and do whatever the fuck you want with it. Because the intention was never to actually steal the painting, but it was to create a distraction that was so immense that they could hold up a series of heists at banks. Oh my god. That and is some worked. evil genius shit right there. Absolutely. Oh so the entire god. country what had really i don't know what's the the, hunting for the painting their bare ass was basically on screen because here they are hosting the olympics everyone's distracted this extremely famous painting goes missing everyone's even more extracted all sorry distracted all hands on deck there are no leads whatsoever the cctv footage is hilariously horrible quality (laughs) Um, i did manage to find a picture of it and i'll send it to you guys after the show okay You can't oh even tell there's a fucking ladder. Like, it's oh, so no. bad. Oh, no. There were no leads whatsoever. Oh, and like I God. said, the intention was to distract, and that's all it did. But he was used to this, actually, Paul Anger. In 1991, so this heist was in 1994. In 1991, he was part of a jewelry heist that was the greatest in Norwegian history. $4.8 million worth of jewelry was stolen. Wow. And was he caught? And when the police, he was caught. And when the police came to his apartment to raid it, they found another Edward Munch painting of, called The Vampire that they didn't even know he stole. <laughs> it was just hanging, <laughs> hanging in his apartment. And they were like, we're here for the diamonds. Oh, my God. I also <laughs> that now. <laughs> like, I, I have to imagine that one of the police officers must have just known the painting. their art history. Yeah, like, who's going to walk in and be like, Oh, that's an original. (laughs) So did he steal that at the same time as the scream or two completely different painting thefts? Two completely different thefts, same painter though. This guy's got a type. He's got a type. He likes the artist. (laughs) Yeah. So that was back in 1991. That was already on his CV. On the CV. So... (laughs) 
The heist in 1994 of The Scream took place in 50 seconds. They were in and out. So they climbed up the ladder, shattered a window, came in, removed it from the wall, and they were out. And they even had enough time to leave a note that said, thousand thanks for the poor security. <laughs> That's funny. These guys are good. They're good at what they do. They chucked it in the back seat and they took a joyride around the city. With the scream in the back. Back in the car. We're going to show you a good time, baby. (laughs) Oh, my God. Buckle up back there. Buckle up back there. This is insane. Yeah. So what I actually found equally as interesting was, of course, the nation just, like, was humiliated. It was a very high profile case and it was a dead end, like I said. So a lot of people came forward with theories about who did it. And um, some people thought it was done by like attention seekers. Uh, Another theory that was floated and gained a lot of traction was that some big money bags wanted it for their private collection. So hired this heist so that they could have it. And in fact, an anti-abortion group came Mm -hmm. out and said, we did it. You have to air one of our ads if you want this painting to return. They've always played dirty, haven't they? Really kind of fucked up, but... Needless to say, the dead ends led to, this is straight out of a fucking movie. Any any European movie where there's a dead end, they're like, we got to call in Scotland Yard. (laughs) (laughs) They did. (laughs) They did. (laughs) Imagine Sherlock Holmes rocking up with his pipe. (laughs) That's what they called him was the Sherlock Holmes from Scotland Yard. (laughs) (laughs) His name was Charles Hill. So Charles Hill comes in straight out of like a movie. He comes in from Scotland Yard and he had practiced really hard the perfect American accent. And he was going to pretend to be a famous wealthy art dealer and try to get a sale. Yeah. So he goes undercover and like his appearance, like Hollywood perfect. He's got a huge beard. He's got glasses. And he rocks up wearing this like floral vest and cream like jacket. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm an art dealer. And he's literally got like a suitcase full of money. And he's like, I'm here for the, for the art deal. I am a normal person. Holding like the art of the deal under his arm. Well, like, I'm here to make a deal. Yeah, the book. <laughs> Well, so unfortunately, (laughs) Charles Hill was also stumped until he was reading the newspaper one day and a man was announcing the birth of his son. This man said that his baby Oscar went into the world, quote, with a scream. Wow. So from that one line, he was like, this dude. So immediately, right. Our Sherlock Holmes was like, with a scream. Interesting. Let's run the background check on this guy, Paul. Pops up that he had another painting in his apartment. (laughs) There was a third (laughs) (laughs) painting. So so they looked at archival footage from days before the heist, and Paul was in the footage scoping out the joint ahead of time. So they put put it together. Um, He was he had been there for a stakeout. This guy, like I said, Hill tries to make an art deal with them still undercover. And they finally are like, okay, we'll sell it to you. 
but you need to go to this little like chalet in the middle of the woods. And so like he goes to the middle of the woods into this like hut or whatever. And I shit you not, it's like underneath a rug, there's a secret hatch of like a door and he opens the door and that's where the scream is. So he he apprehends them. He's like, throw the book at him, lock him up, right, get him red-handed. Out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Anger... Our cash money guy and four other guys. Three other guys? I can't remember if it was three or four other guys. Sorry, we're going for 90% here, folks. This podcast is not always completely correct. <laughs> he, he arrests or they, they get arrested. And uh, unfortunately, everybody except for Paul goes scot-free. Paul is sentenced to six and a half years in prison for the theft. He's found guilty. <laughs> Apparently, he started to serve his sentence for a few years, but then was caught because he escaped on a field trip. Like, you know, like how prisoners will like, you know, go. He escaped on a field trip for over a week and was found with a, wearing a blonde wig and sunglasses trying to buy a train ticket. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you fucking This guy's idiot. creativity, though, it's Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> like, you gotta give him credit. I think he was just like, you know, a thrill seeker. Still yeah. is. Like I said, he's still alive. So they put him back in prison. He was released in the year 2000. But wow. once you have a thrill like that, you're always chasing it. So he had been arrested a few times. But what was actually the most interesting to me was that when he was in jail in 2007, he actually started making fine art of his own. And he had a, his own gallery opening in 2011. Wow. And so wow. he also sells his own abstract art. That's full circle. <laughs> Someone's wow. gonna steal his art. Oh, that'd be oh, so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the story of Cash Money, Paul Anger. Paul that Anger. is insane. That is amazing. Yep, famous footballer turned art thief slash <laughs> always was an art thief. Always was an art thief. So, did he get? He hasn't been in trouble since starting getting out and starting his own art gallery, I'm guessing. He's been in and out of trouble. Um, he did legally obtain a like print from that same artist, Edward Munn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he did legally obtain a print, uh, which everybody thought was very funny. That is but funny. In, I think 20, of the screen. 27, yeah, uh, no, it was a different one. Uh, but in 2017, a a bunch of paintings had gone missing and so he was like a main suspect and i this is coming from the wiki article but i saw kind of conflicting evidence when i was reading the primary sources so take this with a grain of salt but there were like a ton of paintings missing and one guy confessed to stealing like a dozen of them and then Paul came forward and confessed to stealing four of them. And the wiki article said that he was that he left his wallet at the scene of the crime. And that's how people knew, which again, sounds like it's right out of a movie. But I don't know <laughs> if that's actually true. Uh, but he is, has since started uh, really trying to live a very private life. He keeps turning down interviews to like protect his family, uh, but also to protect his contacts in the criminal world. Yeah. I think that could get a little dicey. Yeah. yeah. So now he's just, you know, quietly retired. And it was funny because a lot of the primary sources I read were actually sports 
sort of like columns oh, and, okay, and yeah. articles yeah. and their their whole thing they were always like oh yeah when he got out of prison he was 33 years old like Too he old. couldn't return to football i love that that's what they focused on not prolific <laughs> art stealer yeah no they were all like yeah he was he was too old wow that is insane. What a great story. I feel like I've heard of him before in a crime podcast or something. And it might have been talking about those paintings that went missing in 2007. And the idea that he might I have I think it was 2017. It. Oh, 2017 was it? Sorry. Yeah, it was, it was more recent. It sounds very familiar. That is insane. How funny, though, that he was caught just because he couldn't help himself from making a pun in a newspaper announcement. <laughs> couldn't help himself. The pun took him down. Yeah. I think it's part of the thrill is also getting, getting recognized that, that you did it. That's some good detective work, though, by, by Sherlock Holmes there. To read the birth notices for that. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This is a great story. I'm fucking... <laughs> That's what I, I want. Need to, I'm going to go Google him later. It's good. I've got... I can show you guys pictures of his art and the uh, CCTV footage. <laughs> CCTV footage. It's got to be really funny. I was like, you could have told me that that was like in the middle of Poland and I would have believed you like this <laughs> this, this looks like nothing <laughs> this is so horrible footage I don't know if you guys are ready to hear this topic I think you're ready to hear it but I think you're going to be like what the actual hell because I was I was so shocked and I must admit I kind of cheated this week because my friend Adam sent me this and was like you need to read this oh my god um, so this is my cheat topic for the year where I get to insert a wiki page that is just so unbelievably crazy that it deserves to be highlighted. And I'm sure you could have got here. You, yeah, probably. You're always six you clicks away from something. Yeah. So the topic name on the wiki page is called Ivy League Nude Posture Photos. I just wanted you guys to have a bit of a guess. What do you think it's about? I think it's about those drawing classes where you draw nude people. Okay. I have a feeling it's probably like a, a standard thing that happens in Ivy League schools where they all take pictures in like one nude posture. <laughs> That's like the standard thing that everyone has to do when they get admitted. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Drew has it right. right what? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So. Wait, what kind of weird fraternity bullshit is this? <laughs> Full whole faculty bullshit this was. So this was... Um, taken roughly between the years of 1940, so oh you know, during World War II, to 1970, so within recent memory. This is so recent. So fucking recent. The idea is that all freshmen who entered these universities had to have completely naked photos taken of them standing upright at multiple angles. And they weren't just photos. They would attach metal like sticks or spikes they would glue like just attach them uh, to their back along their spinal column and this idea was that it was like under the guise of that they were looking for you know they're trying to do statistical rates on rickets or scoliosis or lordosis within the population that was the guise of these photos right oh so they thought that they were getting like a medical procedure done yeah Oh, yeah. I thought it was like to brag, like, look at all of us with our penises at Harvard. No, 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 no. It was like, well, we'll, we'll get into it. But yeah, so it was like a medical, but they would do it in a clinical setting. Okay, okay. And so we know that it happened definitely at places like Harvard. And we have records that it started happening at Harvard in 1880. So well before some of the other schools and things, uh, you know, when rickets and scoliosis was 
becoming more well-known and understood. It happened at Yale, Princeton, UPenn. Um, it even happened at Seven Sisters, like it, with so many different colleges, even more than, than I've got listed there. And it's insane. So this, this idea was run by a larger project for a couple of different resources. And there's some, it's a little bit sketchy on some of the material to try and understand what was happening. But basically there was this idea that it was for research of the human body. And the larger project leaders were people called uh, William Herbert Sheldon and Ernest Albert Horton, or Hooten, who may have been using the data to support their theories on bottle types and body types and social hierarchy. So, <clears throat> eugenics. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, no. Fuck. Now, have any of you heard of William Herbert Sheldon before? I feel like I have, but I he just He sounds like a connected. pervert. I feel like you are like, I feel his name is very familiar and mm. I think I've heard it before. Hot damn. So he believed that you could use somebody's body measurements, like their height, their curvature of their spine, their width, their, you know, all different attributes, mainly derived from nude photographs of them to assign an individual a three digit number representing three different components of their body. Oh and he had God. this like body typing system. Right. So it's like the Myers-Briggs, but for your body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'm a 2 exactly. one How about you? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, he, and he thought that, like, these statistics, these characteristics were inborn and genetic, Ooh. and they remained unwavering. Determinants of a person's character, regardless of how they transitioned with weight change or growth or, or you know, any other changes that might happen to a body. In other words, he literally believed that your physique and your physique physicality kind of equaled your destiny oh and he God. was super judgmental it, it, i feel it was like insane you know what's bad is like this sounds clearly like bullshit but like if you post this on tiktok with like enough sparkle emojis i think people would go <laughs> for it would, would bite so they hard would on that so go for it yeah they'd be like hey here's something i just noticed like about people in general let me know what you think in the comments below number one <laughs> this body type Everyone's lazy. Number two, this body type. They work at Google. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> Let me know. Well, there's people who go on TikTok and talk about the QP body types, which is this guy basically ranked body types, mainly of women. What type of yin and yang, whether they were curvy or straight up and down, bony, whatever it was. But people on TikTok literally grab, like, will stitch other people's videos and be like, She's more of a yang because she's fat. The what? Like, <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Like, <gasps> this type of bullshit does happen on TikTok. <laughs> this bullshit in the past was part of actual quotations, air quotations, academic research. Um, and it got worse with the other guy. So Albert Hooper. This sounds a lot like phrenology. When people would study, like, the shape of your head and be like, this is how intelligent or, like, emotional. Or... This is him. This is him? This is him. He was one of them. Oh! Yeah, these two men were the idea that you could... So one of them, I believe it might have been William, but one of them thought that from the type of body type you are, you could figure out how likely someone was to become a criminal or have yes. criminality in their DNA and genetics. Yes, I definitely have heard Fucking that. racist. Oh, yes. I, yes, it is racist. <laughs> but We're I about saying... to get into that. I mean, it's clearly, it is so, it's racist and it's very ableist. Is that we'll why he's familiar? Well. Is he the name that did all he of that? He might be. 
he, he was definitely associated with using measurements and things like that. Because I'm pretty sure that's why people started taking mug shots was for that kind of study of the shape of the head and things like that to see if you could predict oh if somebody God. was more or less a criminal. I'll have to do some research. I didn't come across that. Okay. Um, but all of this type of work was on very similar guys, right, that you could try and figure out somebody's place in society or maybe some of their characteristics based on what they looked like. <laughs> Whatever. So bad. Like, there's weird mixed messages because there was another quote I found from this article that he had written that was like, I forget the title of the article, but just trying to figure out, can you do testing to figure out if someone is intellectually more superior or whatever it might be. And so I went in reading this article being like, this guy, but then he has some quotes in it. So I'm not too sure what his perspectives were because they're very mixed messages. But one quote is, um, he's advocating and I quote, I do affirm with conviction that it is unfair to apply the standard of our own environment with other, with our own race, in uh, brackets, whatever race that might be, to groups of people differing from us in hereditary, physical, and mental characteristics. And it results in such alleged test, in quotation marks, hastily, it's too hasty to stigmatize certain races or certain national groups. So I'm like, well, maybe he was starting to figure out that he was... That that's whole study was racist. This whole idea of trying to apply one type of thinking to other different people and nationalities and cultures was not great. Hmm. But on the same thing, he also advocated for eugenic sterilizations across all races for those who were deemed insane, diseased, or criminalistic. So I get mixed messages from him. I am very confused, right? Hmm. I think he's a bad person. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think it's good. But basically, these people were very fucking judgmental on the way that you looked, where you came from, what type of culture you were born into or had to come from along your hereditary lines. Mm-hmm. Like, so many judgments to be made, which are now considered complete pseudoscience. So, back to the photos, right? So these photos, there were thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of every freshman for a decent period of time, many decades who were entering. And most of these images were destroyed later on. So what remained of the images after some of the colleges started destroying them in the late 70s and 80s, which we'll get into later, they were transferred to the Smithsonian. The Smithsonian then also destroyed some of the images from 1995 to 2001. However, not all of them. And what we started to see is in 2020, hundreds of these photos of male freshmen in particular from Yale, from a certain year level, started to pop up on sale uh, on eBay. Oh. And they were being sold to people's private collections. On eBay in 2020? Yeah. Holy shit. Isn't that crazy? So I wanted to read a little bit of um, a personal first account from someone called Ron Rosebum. Rosen. Bam, sorry, Ron Rosenborn, um, and he wrote this piece for the New York Times. And so this is his words. He was subjected to these images, right? This is his first person account. One afternoon in the mid-60s, shortly after I arrived in New Haven to begin my freshman year at Yale, I was summoned to the Sudi Gothic shine to muscular virtue known as Payne Whitney Gym. I reported to a windowless room on the upper floor where men dressed in crisp white garments instructed me to remove all of my clothing. And then, and this is the part I still have trouble believing, 
They attached metal pins to my spine. There was no actual piercing of my skin, uh, only of my dignity, as four-inch metal pins were affixed with adhesive to my vertebrae at regular intervals from my neck down. I was positioned against a wall with a floodlight illuminating me, and my pin-spiked profile was positioned towards the camera for it to be captured. It didn't occur to me to object. I had been told that this was a posture photo and it was routine feature of all freshmen in orientation week. Those whose pins described a too violent or erratic postural curve were then required to attend remedial posture classes, I was told. Now, this is super duper messed up. Back to me speaking now. Like that whole thing as well. So I've read a couple of other accounts. So people who had seen these photos before the bulk majority were destroyed by the Smithsonian said that for the most part, most of the men in the photos kind of looked indifferent. A lot did look uncomfortable, but for the most part, there was a lot of indifference on the face. And they think this is because the time when these photos were taking, a lot of men had been involved in military activity shortly after World War II and had kind of been used to these physicals, like being assessed for, for, for their physicality. Women, on the other hand, not at all, right? And it was a time when your dignity and your purity was very kind of intertwined in society. And so the people who have seen some of these photos back in the 90s said that the women looked traumatized. All of the women looked like ashamed, traumatized, like nervous, like they looked horrible. And then there's been accounts of like some some PTSD that's come from this from certain people as well, which is just horrible. Super duper messed up. But I wanted to also read out something by a, um, a professor named Percy who made the allegations that, quote, from the outset, the purpose of these posture photo photographs was eugenic. The data accumulated, says Hooten, will eventually lead to proposals to control and limit the production of inferior and useless organisms. Some of the latter would be penalised for reproducing or would just be sterilised. But the real solution is to be enforced with better breeding. Getting those extra... Sorry, it, basically paraphrasing here, it's like getting the men and the women from different colleges together with their corresponding female or male partners from other colleges trying to figure out who's worthy of, like dating basically like this idea of who's worthy to be part of the society um and who should be sterilized wow which is insane and i couldn't find any further documentation and i'm not sure how much there is out there on like the validity of that claim um but it does seem super eugenic this idea of they were trying to judge people based on their body and, and their wellness and selective breeding yeah which i don't know how they did that to freshmen or if they would recommend to like campus doctors that somebody needed to be sterilized i don't know well it makes you like think like there's constantly mixers between the ivy league Mm -hmm. schools of like putting the men and women together like really (laughs) no no. No. it really does who gets invited to where it it's like it's really like got that undertone of selective breeding no (laughs) you're making me realize things no (laughs) true no, it's true. It so really what does. what happened with the photos that were on eBay? They got sold to private collections, most of them. Shit. Has there been any motion to like try to find them and uh, destroy them? I think some people do like have it flagged to try find and destroy them. And there was some great fears and there was some quotes that um again I can't I don't know how true it was, but someone had 
paraphrase this idea that if you were a person of power, you probably attended these Ivy League schools, right? And that people of power who were moving up power, especially in politics, would often get, again, paraphrasing, I don't know how true this is, but someone had said that people would get sent their photos in the mail and be like, you know, it almost used for blackmail, which is just, you know, horrendous. Like, I don't put it past some bad people doing things like that. But basically, I wanted to know, like, how did this stop, first of all? Like, it shouldn't have started in the first place. And second of all, why did it take so long to stop? Exactly. At least a decade. At least a decade, right? In 1950, Sheldon and his team descended on Seattle. At the University of Washington, they began to do these type of studies again. So they agreed to host this project of his, of this posture studies. So he began taking nude pictures of female freshmen this time. Uh, and something went quite wrong because one of them had told her parents about the practice, as she should have. And yeah. her parents were not messing around. And they rallied lawyers and they had gotten people in high positions of power to basically pressure the university officials to storm Sheldon's lab and completely destroy every photo he'd ever taken while he was there. Wow, okay, good. Good, fucking good. Yeah. But um, it still then, went on until the 90s. Until the 70s. 70s. For different colleges, yeah. So then other colleges, it started to trickle down that this was not only shameless and not founded in science, not ethical, definitely not ethical by any by any means. And so other colleges stopped doing it too. It's insane though. It's insane. What also blows my mind is like, I don't even think it's really worth this this argument because it's just so leading order. There are so many reasons this is so wrong. But if you go down to the minutia of like on a scientific level, trying to do an experiment this way, you have such a selection bias. Like even if you think of it as yeah. science, it's still not even good science. Like it's like, no. <laughs> you know it's what I mean? Science. It's pseudoscience. Bullshit. It's shit science, but like even even from a shit science perspective, it's shit science. <laughs> it's shit yeah. science and shittier humans. Like yeah. shit humanship. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Totally. That's crazy. I like literally could not believe that this existed and that it was like so many people like in the nineties before most of the photos were destroyed, there was I believe there was about twenty thousand that made it to the Smithsonian. I can't like, believe how fucking recent. photos shit isn't that it's insane and this idea that it was kind of under this guide and this is why i get so sorry i'm gonna rant for just a minute or two like i get so pissed off that in our society we often see people be like oh well you know there's no such thing as white supremacy or misogyny or you know whatever it might be racism like there literally is in our very, very, very recent history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like this idea of eugenics and the fact that you could tell someone's going to be a criminal based on biases and their body type or their cranial type, which again is not fair. Like it's it's crazy. And so anyone who doesn't see that, I, I don't know. I think this is a good example of what people mean when they say systemic. Yes. You know, when you have a baseline of science and understanding that is rooted in something like this, something that is incorrect, something that is racist, something that is eugenic, Mm -hmm. this speaks to systemic racism and systemic um, bigotry in in a medical sense. This speaks to it in, in a educational sense and 
when you think of it as like you are trying to perpetuate the population that's within the Ivy League and keep the Ivy League status quo, this is why. This is exactly why there is no diversity in the Ivy League. This is exactly why academia is as whitewashed as it is. This is exactly why we have these problems where it's difficult to break in and there's no systematic support for people because it was it wasn't built for them and it wasn't built to be sustained for them. It's you know this is and it's and I think it's rare that we get a concrete example of something that can be as squishy as a systemic issue. I think that yeah. it's like a really good example of pointing out like the underlying infrastructure was positioned for for people who are like this. Yeah. Yeah. So I was reading up on one of them. I think it was Hooten, Horton, Hooten, whatever. He was he was the hardcore eugenicist. So during World War Two, right, everybody knows what happened in World War Two. That was basically eugenics. The Nazi race wanted to breed out, quote, unquote, what they considered to be inferior to their race. And it was horrendously racist, really, really bad. This guy is like, we're going to fight eugenics with eugenics. So he came up with this whole method of how do you breed out the war in German? Published this entire thing of like, World War II was bad. How do we breed that out of people? And I'm like, oh my God. Read the fucking room, dude. It's like his noggin was not, brain cells were not tapping together. Yeah, he's but like, what if just, we used that horrible thing for good? It's, it's still a horrible thing. Shocking. It is absolutely horrible. God, and it's, yeah. again, it's not based in science at all. And it's the fact that people can use, well, have used in the past, bad pseudoscience like this to try argue for a culture or a race's position. It's disgusting. I still think, I think this would take off on TikTok. You can imagine someone being like, measure your head shape if your head is wider than yes. amount. Yeah, that'd yes. take off. Or like, that'd take off 100%. It'd be like five crazy things I bought on Amazon. This one thing that fits over your spine and has dangly metal bits, go ahead and put it on and then bend over in front of the mirror. The way it falls will tell you if you're more of a matcha drinker or a coffee drinker, and it'll also let you know what color you should paint your nails in the morning. I chose to follow the advice, and I've had a more fulfilling day. Link in the comments below. You hit it. You, hit it. you know when you can't tell something satire or like completely fucking serious? That's it. You've done it. This is why I don't have a TikTok. I think I'd be too powerful. You'd be too fucking good. <laughs> You'd be too good. But people do do this. Like, and anyone who says that, like, society in general has these built-in stigmas against, one example is that if you are overweight or you have a high BMI, you're lazy. Like, society has that built-in to their thinking. And we see it in medical doctors as well, really just have this connection when the intricacies of what you look like or what your body is doing is literally out of your control. They're your, like the atoms you physically cannot control. You're just existing in them. is so much more complicated to this equals this. And a lot of it is not true. And it's based in this idea of what is more worthy or what is more wanted. And it changes with centuries. It yeah. changes. The idea of you were too skinny back a few hundred years ago, then you were not fit to breathe. You were not healthy. You wouldn't make it through. And now it's the complete opposite. And it's all rubbish. Yeah, that's great. Like, there are there are obviously some health things that are in scientific, you know, 
if you've got high cholesterol, high blood pressure, or whatever that might be, there's some scientific things, but not based on how you look or what type of, like the BMI is so flawed and there's a lot of different articles on what you should use for a health metric, especially for women, because we're meant to have higher percents of body fat to help with our our hormonal metabolistic rates and things Mm -hmm. like that. Like, it's wild. It's wild out here. (laughs) I have a really really good quote by Paul Enger that I think would summarize the end of this really nicely. (laughs) Yeah, hit it. Yeah. Okay. Both topics, honestly. All right. So, sorry, I was trying to find the source and I don't have it. Okay. This is a quote by Paul Enger. When I'm out of prison... I walk along the water and watch people feeding the birds. I feel like I can see who is there because they have a bad conscience. Who's beaten their woman the day before and then makes up for it by feeding the birds? I'm like that myself. I often take bread to my prison cell so I can feed the birds outside the window. Then I ask myself, are you doing this to be nice to the birds or because you have a bad conscience, Paul? Shit. (laughs) Well, if you knew all three of these topics extremely well. Congrats. You're great. Congrats, you're someone I really want to meet. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> come hang out with us. Go ask Alice Pod on Twitter. Go ask Alice Podcast on Instagram. Sarah Web Science on TikTok. Schwanzi on Twitch. And we've even got YouTube shit. We've got yeah. BuzzFeed quizzes. Like find our link tree. Find a permanent link to our Discord. Come chat with us in real time, answer our question of the week, and give us your philosophizing on any of these points. We would really love to hear from you. If you are not already a Patreon patron and you would like to be a patron, you can get all kinds of stickers. You can have an episode that is like basically in your honor. You get smoochies from Drew. And if Patreon's not good at this time... We get it, but if you click the five stars or even four stars, honestly, like we, I mean, like my self esteem is directly, yeah, like (laughs) my self esteem is like directly related to the number of stars we have. So that's your power. That's your American right. Even if you're Australian, (laughs) you can hurt us. Yeah, you could hurt me with those pointy, pointy stars that are at your app. Um, But yeah, we want (laughs) to hang out with you, and we love Van. We do love Van. We love Van. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> you guys like sang it. Bye. <laughs> You're not just going to sneak. You can't just sneak in eugenics, Sarah. You need to be like, are you in a space to receive information that could possibly harm you? And then be like. Hey, hey everyone, just gonna slide this in here. Just quick little quick little taste. Eugenics. I was emotionally ready. Now I am physically ready.